This is Mike Hill from Tombs, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, welcome back to another brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. Your host, Sonny, here with Mike Hill. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. Aside from it being the holiday season, obviously, this is an important yet exciting time of the year. For you and the guys over at Tombs with the release of your fifth studio album, Under Sullen Skies, which released this past November already on Season of Mist, along with the Monarchy of Shadows EP came out earlier this year. You know, first off, Mike, congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. You know, shout out to Decibel, Sick Drummer Mag, Gimme Radio, Revolver Magazine. Before we get to all that, <laughs> I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off. Sure. It's a very simple one, but it's an important one to ask, considering where we are at our lives at this point. How are you? <laughs> How's life in Jersey right now? I mean, I mean, our lives have pretty much changed from back in March. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different than it was in March. I mean, back in March, uh, we were gearing up for, you know, a lot of touring this year. Uh, I was able to see people as I, were to go, I was able to go to shows and uh, I was able to live uh, my normal life out out in the world, you know, uh, things are a lot different now, but, uh, I'm generally doing okay. Uh, you know, I'm pretty isolated. I live out here by myself and, uh, really, really would love to go see a show. would love to play a gig. You know, we talked about this earlier. would love to go to a movie, like all those things, yeah. like all the things I love doing are kind of on hold right now, but you know, we're getting through it. You know, being away from the stage a lot as of late, you know, like you're saying, we're trying to make the best of the best of the situation. How are you keeping up your vocals, guitars, instrumentations these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for your routine wise lately, if at all? Well, the band still gets together to rehearse. Uh, so, you know, we're able to stay, uh, you know, competent on our instruments. And I've taken this downtime to start working on, you know, more new material. So I'm playing a lot. You know, got a bunch of new ideas for songs. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, I mean, at some point, I mean, I like to go out there and tour the hell out of the States and Europe and everywhere. Uh, so we'll have, we'll have like a pretty good, uh, you know, cachet of music eventually when we time to make another record. But we do, we did record and film a live set, which is, uh, I think it's going to come out in February. So the preparation for that was similar to what we would normally do to prepare for a tour. We would just put together a right. set and run that a bunch of times. And then, you know, we, we, uh, there was a loft space down in South Jersey where, uh, you know, we, we got together and we did like a, a pretty, pretty good production, man. We had like multiple cameras, uh, you know, we had a multi-track sound mix and, you know, shout out to DC, shout out to Sanford Parker, shout out to Jacqueline Shear. Those are the uh, filmers, recording engineer, and the editor. So uh, a bunch of people involved in that. And uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen the videos done. It looks great. I'm excited about it. And uh, you know, that's really the only thing close to a live show that we've done. So that'll be out in February. You know, I want to talk about that a little bit later. But you know, let's rewind the clock back because speaking of the live experience, you've been at this for over two decades, Mike. You know, whether it's yeah. with Tombs. Otis, Anodyne, King Generator, your solo wow. project, Vasilek. You know, I want to ask now, and we talked about this prior to the interview, your, the planned tour you had with Napalm Death right after that EP. How was a touring life for you personally? Because now we're all kind of just 
taking like an unseen step back? And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking culture, fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick yeah. apart about what makes touring amazing. For you, Mike, look at this. We're in December, right? What was your biggest takeaway from that? Well, you know, it's appreciation, I guess. It's like you, you hit on some good points there. Uh, you know, I typically we're on the road a lot. And um, I just, you know, that that's how it's almost like how I see a lot of my friends. I mean, I got friends all over the country, you know, in Europe, whatever. And, you know, I would bank on seeing them maybe three or four times a year. You know, my friends out on the West Coast and, and you know, friends in Texas, things like that, Canada. And uh, all of that just went away, man. And I feel like I haven't seen anyone at all, you know, and that's a real drag. And and just the day to day, like the guys and other bands that we're friends with, like guys that are, in, you know, there's always those, those crew guys, like sound guys, tour managers, merch people that you might see them like three tours in a row. Like, cause there, there's like certain guys out there, like Jarrett Pritchard who tour manages and does sound for like, so many different bands that we've toured with. I feel like I see him more than I've seen some of these other guys, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just like an odd scenario. And even, you know, promoters that I've become friends with over the years in different cities, like, you know, and I, and I, and my heart goes out to them because they're, they're not able to, um, you know, to, to promote shows and, and put on shows and make money and things like that. So, and all the guys in the crews, you know, these, these guys are like, they make their, their livelihood being on the road. And, um, you know, more so than guys in bands, like those are the people I feel for because, uh, you know, front of house guys, like merch people, they're like, they're, they're out of work right now. And it's brutal, you know. You know, speaking of Jared, I do want to talk about him after the interview. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, um, a very popular topic on IUF for the last, again, I sound like a broken record, but since March, nine, 10 months. And you've seen this th- during the entire time frame, live streaming. A lot of the bands, what they do on stage, they're taking it to the screen like we're doing right now. I believe Code Orange was one of the first bands to do it. I believe t- literally two days after the pen- after the pandemic, they did the uh, performance in the live venue. Then they streamed it for the fans. You know, we've had bands like August Burns Red and Insomnium come on the show, talk about their experience on doing the live experience. Lamb of God did it. Behemoth did it. But and you you also did the World is Made of Fire quarantine jam back in April, if I'm correct. Yes. You yeah. know, having said all that, with all the experience that you've taken in, Mike, throughout your career, with all the artists you've met, with all the production crew that, you know, that kind of just explore that entire realm with you. Do you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from all these bands, Mike, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your perspective? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Well, I can tell you one guy who's not going to be doing this when this is all over is me because <laughs> I, I find it kind of depressing, honestly. Yeah. It's like, uh, I saw, I actually, I think the very first live stream was a Chromags, actually. Cause, uh, okay. They were supposed to play a show, a body count in New York. And, um, show got, it was like literally the eve of when everything shut down in New York City. And, uh, Harley sent out this, um, Facebook, you know, notification that they were going to um, do a live stream at SIR, you know, which is like, you know, SIR, I think they're all over the country. It's like, you know, a big production house. They got like, you know, sound studios, things like that. And, and uh, you know, up, up in the city. And uh, 
Jay from uh, Unearthly Trance actually works there. So okay. I almost got a job doing stuff with him too back in the day. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Harley, Harley uh, and, and the Chromags, they, they performed live, you know, live stream. That was the first one I saw, the first and only one I saw. And it was cool, but it's just not, it's, I mean, this whole, this whole style of music that we do, I mean, it's about, I mean, look, I, I actually talked about this with somebody. It's like, I mean, on a personal level, it's like, I'm, I'm, I've always felt like an outsider, you know what I mean? So when you go in a normal life, you can't relate to too many people, but when you go to a show, it's like, at the very, very least, you know, if you go see like uh, Cannibal Corpse, you know that, that there's dudes there who like Cannibal Corpse and you got that in common with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the whole, that element is really integral to extreme music, really. So I don't think that, you know, sitting at home isolated when you can actually go out and, and go to shows is ever going to replace that. You know what I mean? And I think it'd be cool to do them in conjunction, you know, to have a live show in a venue Sure. You know, because if you live in the middle of nowhere or say, for example, if you wanted to go and you can't go to Roadburn, you can't fly to Holland or something like that to go see, you know, the festival. I think it'd be really cool to have the live thing and then also stream it so that if you do live in the United States and you want to see like a European festival in the summertime, you can still do that. You know, But I don't think it's ever going to replace uh, you know, people need to get out. They need to go out. You know, they need to be there and sweat and experience the whole, you know, that whole thing. And I think that's so much of what this type of music is about, really. You know? Yeah. And, and there's no right or wrong answer. I like asking this question. I mean, I've had talented musicians like yourself say, yeah, I mean, it, I, I would love to do live streaming. It's, it still allows me a way, you know, to engage with the fans. And that's some other artists who say, oh, I'm not doing anything until this is over. Yeah. But, you know. Of course, I have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I wanted to. I mean, but how yeah. much longer can I do that for, you know? And once you do the live streaming, like what next? Like how much more creative can you get the longer this goes on? I'll tell you something that I did um, a couple of months ago towards the end of August. There was the, I'm not, I don't know if you've seen this, the Metallica. Metallica did the whole live streaming for one weekend. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. At the drive through Dallas, Texas sold out immediately. A friend of mine luckily had a ticket and uh, I was like, okay, sure, I'll I'll tag along. And what's the most one of the most popular things we hear at a metal show? Let me see those horns, right? And you just see a sea of horns from all these fans. Like you feel that adrenaline, that rush when you're on the stage, even as a fan, like you feel that. But instead, what do we get? You know, three days grace open, for example. And they said, instead of saying, let me see those horns. They go, Hey, let me hear you honk your horn. So if you roll down your window, you just hear just cars just in the middle of the night, like just honking their horns into the darkness. It just maybe miss a live experience even more, but you know, you nail it on the head right there. Like there's nothing that will replace that. I'm making the best of the situation is what we're doing. And Mike, you know, speaking of making the best of the situation, I talked about uh, the few podcasts that you actually do run. You are the host of everything went black podcast the creator and co-host of the horror podcast called Necromaniacs. You're also the host and producer of Gimme Gimme Radio's Metal Matters flagship podcast, all the while having two records released this year. Like I said, you've been busy. Has this pandemic, now that we're talking about what we're busy with nowadays, has it opened up new things for you personally and artistically that you may have not noticed before about yourself? Um, Well, uh, that's a good question. It might seem that way, but uh, I, I generally keep a pretty, pretty full schedule. And 
you know, my normal life, even when we're not locked down. I mean, I gotta be honest, man. It's like, there's certain, certain things that just really suffered from this whole experience. And, uh, and it's hard to look back on this and take anything positive from it. You know I mean? Except like, of mm. course, like you get to, you know, spend all this time with yourself and get all self-reflective and, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's been kind of tough, you know, for me looking at my, my, my personality, you know, and, and understanding my, myself and all these things. That's like been like a, a very, um, you know, profound sort of inward journey, but I think I've, I've, uh, you know, navel gazed enough, uh, this year and, uh, I'm ready to get, you know, out there to the world in some, some way, you know, more so than we have in the last 10 months or so. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Since I can't really take a positive takeaway from this, this, this last thing. I don't really blame you because it's, that's kind of been the commonality within all of us, you know, trying, yeah. I mean, how do we take something positive? I mean, yeah, like you said, self-reflect, but how much longer do we need to reflect? I, I know what I want to do. Let's get out there and do it. And speaking of which you have that fifth album under Sullen skies that came out November 20th on season of mist to follow up to 2017's grand annihilation. Mike, you said it's not a happy record that anyone is going to use to get pumped up on a Friday night. Here we are on a Friday night. So let's Friday talk about night, things. Let's, t- let's talk about things that made me happy with such a satisfying listen from Bone Surface to Baron to We Move Like Phantoms to Lex Talionis to Plague Years. It was riff after riff after riff, song after song. I'm lucky to still have a head that's upright talking to you right now. <laughs> and as far as the tomb sound, you guys always do this where it's twisting of the DNA of what is black metal, goth, rock, thrash. And you had some melodic black metal, some post metal in there. Between you, Matt, drew and justin how much did things change from when you first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it did a lot change in between did nothing change in between was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with under sullen skies well i mean i think we learned a lot on the ep like the ep was almost like a demo for making the album really i mean that that was uh, a combination of stuff that justin and i were working working on uh and then with also Matt, because Matt joins the band, uh, let's see, probably about nine months or so before we went into the production of Monarchy of Shadows. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's like the the current bunch of guys that I'm playing with, man, really, it's like each one of those guys can front their own band, basically. You know what I mean? They're, so, they're such powerful creative forces you know what i mean and like it just um it was just really good to have that energy you know and and um you know i mean for the most of the it's always been like a lot of my just creative energy kind of pushing things forward over the last you know like decade of the band or whatever but now it's like everyone kind of takes ownership in in their their participation and that's a really uh unique place for me to be in right now and, and it's a welcome place and, and I feel really excited whenever someone has an idea you know they come come to the table and it's like all right nowadays everyone has their own little recording rigs at home and you know they use a superior drummer and to come up with these like totally pro sounding demos so I get like a, a file and it's like man this sounds like a like like a you know a record you know what I mean yeah and um and that's we that's how we work even even like 
when we were getting together in the practice space, people would have these very, very uh, thought out, very complete song ideas that we would practice on. You know, we'd listen to them and like, all right, I have, maybe we'll change this verse or whatever, or add this, or we'll take these two ideas and put them together. And that really, it's been like a long time since I worked that way. And um, it was like, it's that, that's kind of the, uh, the, the, that's the new, the new ingredient, I think, in the band that's keeping things really exciting for me. And then, you know, lyrically, it's so, you know, I, I write 99.9% of the lyrics. And that's, uh, I guess in some ways, I feel like I'm settling more into the, the role of a, you know, vocalist. And, you know, that that is becoming more in the forefront for me because I'm probably the worst musician in the band, honestly. I mean, like, Matt can play circles around me. Justin's like one of the sickest drummers I've ever played with. And Drew is like, you know, it's like Alex Webster or something like that. You know what I mean? So oh, wow. I'm like, Let that I'm like very, very low on the hierarchy of technical ability in the band. So the one thing I can bring is like, like lyrical ideas and like a, you know, atmosphere and stuff like that. So. All right. I'm going to give you credit if you're not going to do it. You started tombs, man. So that it, they, we wouldn't have this music without your finesse. Now this was recorded and mixed at, Frightbox Studios in Clifton. Is that correct? That's right. And that's right. I'm, yeah. I'm going to throw two names at you. Bobby Torres oh, and yeah. Alan Duchess. Did I say his name right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Alan, yeah. So having said that, you know, Bobby, he's known for his work with Exit Only, At The Drive-In, Devil Driver, Ministry, Nevermore. Alan, he's known for his work with the Monarch EP he worked with you guys on. Uh, yeah. He's worked with The Black Dolly Murder, Mastodon, Enterprise Earth. Was there a sense of comfortability in the studio for you, Mike, knowing that those guys were there working on the record with you? Well, yeah, I mean, Bobby's a old, really good friend of um, the three other guys in the band. I mean, he's recorded all their other bands and all this other stuff. And then I got to know Bobby uh, when he mixed live sound for us a couple of years ago. And uh, Bobby is another uh, horror movie maniac like me. So uh, <laughs> we I, I got to stop you there just for a second. What's your favorite horror movie? I have to, I have to ask. All right, now, okay. Or we're never gonna, or we're never gonna touch on it. So I have to ask now. Super supernatural horror, uh, zombies. Like what? What genre? Oh I mean, like, man! Yeah, so okay. Many, man. Uh, like, do zombies? Do zombies? Because I have one. All right, zombies. Let's see. My, my, well, all right. I mean, this is this is probably a very rote answer, but my my favorite zombie movie still is Night of the Living Dead, the original. Oh okay. yeah, black I, and white. That, that's. I mean, that's an absolute classic. For you can't me, can't fuck with that one. Yeah, for me, for me, just because it was one of my first exposure to horror is 28 days later. That's and, a great one. Man. And I also love Danny Boyle, but that's, that's the yeah. biased section of me. So sorry to cut you off there. I had to ask. No, man. Was, I know, also, we touched on the horror subject a little bit. So I was like, Should I, I also got to shout out, um, you know, Hellraiser one, man. That's, oh that's, a, that's a go-to Hellraiser two is also good, but the first Hellraiser just like, I don't know, man, the whole interdimensional, like S and M like weird, transformation stuff like going into hell and all this like you know and you know because uncle frank and all that stuff like what i love about that is like uh i can't remember the other i can't remember either i think dennis chapman or whatever the hell the guy i played frank yeah the two brothers right like they don't look like brothers at all like frank looks like he grew up in staten island or something <laughs> like that you know what i mean and like the, the other guys like some like businessy like waspy sort of guy you know what i mean it's just I don't know. Anyway, that that's like a non sequitur. But that 
Clive Barker in general, I love him, his work, his artwork. Oh my gosh. You see me stroking my beard. I'm like, you're like itching to touch touch on that subject even more. But yeah. like that's just horror alone. Like uh, we're talking about zombies and supernatural. Yeah. Um anyway, uh we'll we're gonna do this on a separate podcast one day. <laughs> we could just touch on that subject just all, all alone. You know, you know, and uh before I cut you off, I know we were talking about, you know, Alan and Bobby. I don't know if you want to finish your thought there about you know when they oh, yeah. record with you. Well, well, Alan, Alan, I've known Alan is like mastered. I think every single thing I've done, except for like maybe two records, you know, and yeah. uh, he's, he's just like a master, you know, at that whole craft. And also at this stage of the game, like he's a friend, you know what I mean? And I like, I like that keeping things like internal, like within, within the family, you know what I mean? Like keep things like very uh, holistic that way, where it's like just the, the, the usual people are involved, you know, like, and that even goes out to like photographers and, you know, people who do artwork and all that kind of stuff. It's like always like a, a very inner circle kind of vibe with the bands. And, uh, you know, I mean, unfortunately I wasn't able to go up to the studio for the mastering session on, on uh, soul and skies because, um, you know, the pandemic happened, but I, that's like, I look forward to that whole thing of going up to, to his studio. It used to be out in Jersey. Now it's like up in, uh, in Ulster, I think it's Ulster County up by uh, Poughkeepsie, mm. New York, um, in uh, Windsor. And uh, and like going there, hanging out, drinking coffee, talking, just chilling and, you know, watching the guy do his thing. And, and there's like a, a feeling of just like it's out of my hands. Alan knows best. I'm just going to enjoy. I'll add some comments or whatever. But um, I, I know that at that stage of the game, when I'm sitting at, in his studio, that it, it's over. It's done. And this is like literally the final chapter in making that record. And uh, yeah, it was a drag that I couldn't go up there this year, but you know, we talked on the phone yeah. a bunch and you know, that, that's always like, a, I always look forward to that in the recording process. Well, here's to, you know, hopefully you get this chance again sometime in the near future. You talked about writing new music again. So there's oh, yeah. that. I know, yeah, I know I mentioned those two, those two gentlemen who worked on this record with you. I'm going to mention just a few more because they're just as important. Cat Cabral, Paul Delaney, Dwight Hillian, Todd Stern, Ray Suhi, Andy Thomas, Sarah Tamsin. For my listeners who don't know, they helped you out with this record. You know, all these yeah. other artists who are with uh, different bands. What was that experience like, Mike, bringing in outside professional artists in their respective music fields into your world of making music? Did it make the process easier knowing that they were present? Yeah, in some cases, we had these people in mind already. Like, first of all, Andy's involvement on the record was a given from day one because uh, okay, Andy, yeah. Played, yeah, he played guitar with us in, in Tombs for about a year. He kind of, like, saved my ass when it came to tours, um, you know, when we were supporting um, Grand Annihilation because uh, the line, we were having some, like, lineup upheavals around that time. Uh, and Andy is, like, you know a guitar player is guitar player. You know what I mean? So even as I knew that he was going to be involved somehow on this record. So I was glad that he was able to, um, you know, put something together. I mean, you know, we recorded, it wasn't the best circumstances because of just everyone separated and not being able to get into a studio and a lot of stuff had to be done at home, but Andy did a great job on that. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was great. Uh, You know, Todd Stern's a homie. Like he's like a, his, his gear is in our practice space. So it's like, you know, he's a friend. So that was easy. Uh, Ray, you know, Ray from six feet under is yep. like, 
one of the most like epic guitar players and his his guitar solo is like a piece of music in and of, in and of itself in my opinion you know what i mean uh dwid actually i got i've gotten to know dwid i mean first of all i'm a huge integrity fan from like you know back since the 90s yeah. man. I mean, i've always <laughs> i mean i'm not really that much into hardcore music per se but i like i like a lot of those clevo bands like ringworm integrity you know right. uh, Cold, like that kind of stuff and I've always thought that Dwight had like a very interesting um, philosophical thing. And like he's, and as I've got to know him, we have a lot of stuff in common. So it was uh, that song, particularly The Hunger, is um, kind of, I would inspired, you know, a Sam Hain, Danzig kind of thing. And, and I knew that, you know, he was quite fond of those bands. And I imagined his voice in the, in the chorus on that. And it just worked out, you know. And Paul Delaney. You know, he's been on other recordings of ours and, you know, obviously, you know, he's he's a good friend. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of like in the same corner of things in some ways, uh, Black Anvil and Tombs, and we've toured together. And, you know, Rafe and Paul are like really great friends of mine. I've known them forever. And, uh, you know, they're just it, it, somehow those guys had to be part of the part of the whole experience. And, um, you know, Kat is. uh She's not actually. She's not in a band. I mean, she's like someone who's just. I met her. Another friend. I I I would I would think right. Oh no no, she's an incredible friend of mine. Yeah. Like, I've known her for you know years, and uh, I've always wanted to somehow involve her in in some kind of creative endeavor because of uh, just you know I got to know her through um, you know mutual friends and you know girlfriends and things like that. Yeah. And, you know and whatever and. She's um, someone who uh, is very deeply involved in like the occult and, and uh, you know, also is, a, is, an, has, is an actress. So she was able to deliver dialogue with like emotion, you know, where, you know, I mean, I, I, you, you would think that I'd be able to do something like that, but it just, it didn't, I wasn't able to pull that off. So I was able to, you know, I got her like involved to help me out with that. And, and she just, I, and I also imagined a female voice in the beginning of that too. So she worked out great. And, uh, you know, she, she's uh, maybe someday we'll do more things like this together. And, uh, and I don't know if it's last but not least, but Sarah Timms, who's like appeared on other tombs recordings. Yep. Uh, someone as like one of the most like beautiful uh, haunting voices that, the minute I wrote that, the, as soon as I finished writing Secrets of the Black Sun, I knew that Sarah had to be involved in that. And, um, you know, of course, she's in, you know, Black Mare, uh, Eyes of Gemini, uh, you know, Black Mare. Horseman, Horseman, yep. Yeah, she's like, you know, I can't, I mean, anything that I say about her, any kind of, uh, you know, words of praise have already been heaped on her in the past. And, you know, she's just like... Um, I mean, I, I imagine we'll do more work together because, uh, you know, we have in the past and she's like this, you know, recurring theme on a lot of our records and stuff. So, but yeah, it was, that was like, I was glad, I, I was just glad that she was able to, to do it, you know, in, in light of all the, the things that were happening in the world. So, so yeah, that was, that was, you know, a lot of people were involved in making this thing happen, you know? Yeah. Everything you just mentioned about each individual, you took the time to stop and really dive into how they were they collaborated with you that shows dedication to your craft mike and and i heard that throughout the album now you said you know 
but between writing and structuring the songs and the production process, like we just talked about, you said the album's title under Sullen Skies came during all this and sort of the whole post-apocalyptic world we're living in. And the title was the last piece that fell into place. Now, Tombs, um, you know, you specifically said about Under Sullen Skies that you explored plenty of the archetypes that are used in folklore on this record, like werewolves and vampires, which is something you have always vested interest in. And having said that, I want to ask, you know, to what level do you like to have a theme for your records? And how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write? or sound or is that more for the audience because a lot of artists they don't really care about themes they just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it but i felt like with under sullen skies there's a specific dilemma you wanted to reach with that uh, the theme actually is not really ever um i mean i, I see i can see where people would think they're that they can see themes but that's not you know like i don't outline i mean actually that's actually a really good idea to, to do something like that but i haven't ever done that before where it's like, okay, well, we're going to work, delve into this idea here. What happens is I just like, you know, I got like, I'm one of these like notebook guys, you know what I mean? I have like these notebooks where I just write stuff down, you know, and sometimes it'll just be like, you know, of a sketch or whatever. And, and then it'll be like words or it'll be something that, I, that popped into my head or whatever. And then it'll develop into like paragraphs and it's not even songwriting. It's just, prose or descriptions and things like that. So that's kind of like where the lyrics come from. And it's like, you know, take something I wrote like two, two weeks ago and maybe match it with some other things. And then from there, that, then, then I take that material and that goes into like, you know, I'll put it in my, in the word document in my computer so I can be serious about it, you know? Um, so the themes kind of arise from that. It's not so much that there's a theme and then we I work around it. It's like maybe like that's kind of the thread that connects all these ideas. And, you know, a lot of it, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an avid reader and a lot of the literary stuff kind of peeks through, I think sometimes like with some of the uh, songwriting. And um, yeah, I mean, there's never really like, okay, this is a concept album or something like that, hmm. but uh but I can see that since the lyrics are written over the course of maybe a couple of months, that they would have like a common idea, you know, sort of in there, you know what I mean? And then when I look back on it and it's like, okay, well, there is this kind of vibe going on through the record, but I, and I guess that's where the titles come from. It's like the title is like the last thing that you, you put together. You know what I mean? That's like, okay, what are we going to call the record? <laughs> you know, stained glass, you yeah. know, screaming for vengeance, you know, or something like that. So, you know, it's like that, that's kind of the final thing. And I guess after writing the lyrics and seeing there is like a thread and maybe the thread manifests itself more as a title, but there is never really like, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know what I mean? I read somewhere where you came up with the theme at, at a rooftop at, as you were just like looking at the sky and yeah i guess it was, it was just very doomy and gloomy that day i i don't know that that's what i heard is was that yeah, true? no it's true actually I, I i was still living in brooklyn and um it was like those first few days where of the of the pandemic where hmm. new york city like it was literally like one day i was i went to work and then the next day i was at home and then i didn't go back like it was like <laughs> i didn't go i haven't been back to that office in like since then really yeah you know, it's like a, almost a year at this point you know or a few whatever 10 months so during that lockdown you know the beginning days of that 
I, um, you know, I, I like, I'm a pretty active lifestyle. You know, I work out a lot and things like that. So I was going up to the roof cause I didn't want to go out. I don't, I couldn't go anywhere. So I'd go to the roof and I work out and like, and then it felt like for a week or two weeks or three weeks, it just was like this half-assed, like, it wasn't even really raining. It was just kind of <laughs> gloomy and damp and everything. It sounds like Texas. Like if it tries to rain, it doesn't really rain. It's just telling you, hey, look at the sky. But it yeah, was not you know, and it was gray and, you know, like <laughs> depressing and all this. And that's the title came from that, really. Just like that, those days of not really knowing what of uncertainty and, and anxiety, yeah. and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Were the lyrics done? Prior to that, all that, all, everything was done as far as the lyrics. I would say ninety percent right? of the lyrics were done by the time that stuff all happened. Like you know, I we, I mean, the music was written in in twenty nineteen, really. Right. Um, and then I was pretty much done writing by like February, I would say. So yeah, because I was just imagining what it'd be like to be out on tour with Napalm Death, like playing all these songs and stuff. Oh and like, man. Yeah, so uh, that was all done by then, you know. Do you see? under sullen skies as a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life looking back oh yeah i mean every record is pretty much that way i mean at least to me that's how it seems like i look back on all the albums all the records different bands and like you know like that record definitely represents like like each record i would say represents a certain time frame a certain period and um you know very internal sort of uh thing you know for me and uh so yeah, I mean, um, definitely because I mean, even recording this record was was done, you know, around the time when no one was supposed to be out, but we were going into the studio. You know, there's all this kind of like clandestine like activity that we had to be careful about. You know, and, you know, we were all people were worried like, oh, am I going to get sick if I come up here and do this? And you know, there was the studio was closed. It's it was just us really. Like you know, he he. I mean, I could say this now, but like. You know, he didn't want anyone, you know, Bobby didn't want anyone to know we were in there because it, he'd, he'd had mm. to cancel a bunch of sessions and things like that. So, yeah, you know, it was just like a very trying sort of atmosphere, you know, to make, make a record under. Of course, because it's easy to look back on a year like 2020 and say, which, by the way, 2020 unleashed uh, just an unbelievable amount of great music, great new music, yeah. you, know, you know, along with tombs. It's easy to look back on 2020 and say, oh, this is the pandemic album, you know, but that's not the way I see it, at least from no. my perspective. I know we talked about this, how it's hard to stay positive during this crazy shitty time, but, you know, it also allowed, I believe, a person like me to grow throughout this entire process. And listening to your music, listening to a lot of bands that release their music, it kind of, that kind of delves into the whole process together. And, you know, whether it's with Tombs or Otis, and like I said, Anodyne, Otis. King Generator, <laughs> your solo project, Vasilek, and you talked about the Everything Went Black podcast, the Necromaniacs podcast, which uh, I'm, I can't wait to do another episode just on that alone, you know, and we talked about Gimme Radios, Metal Matters, uh, Flasher Podcast, and you're also the CEO and Roastmaster of Savage Gold Coffee, and you've also done print and online journalism work covering music and MMA fighting. Now, that's a lot that I've covered all in just one minute. But what is the most rewarding part for someone like you, Mike, who is now at this point of their career, at the same time, has been involved with so many other different aforementioned talented bands, artists, individuals throughout that timeline? 
did all that play a part in helping you grow as an artist? Yeah, I mean, everything, you know, kind of works hand in hand, really, you know, it's like, especially, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the physical stuff is really like anyone out there who, who works out a lot and trains or whatever understands that, like, you know, mentally, intellectually, if you're pushing your body like hard, your, your brain, you would learn better, you can focus better and you're more creative it relaxes you like all these other things. And that's like that the hardest thing during this whole pandemic was not being able to, to train. You know, that was like pretty brutal really, because without that, like all the anxieties and uncertainties and everything was uh, almost on, you know, pretty unmanageable really. And, uh, but one, you know, once I was able to figure out a way to, to, to get into doing some kind of training, it was, uh, it helped, you know, opened my mind up and I was able to be creative and productive again, you know? And, um, but yeah, I mean, I just like, I like doing stuff. I like, I like, uh, achieving things, you know? Um, you know, I don't like just sitting around and doing nothing. Like, I feel like I have to earn like my time off really, you know? And that's, that's, what's been really hard about being isolated and like working at home and all this other stuff. It's like, you're always like in the same space and, uh, where you know you can go somewhere to like an office or whatever and work and then you're done with there and you move on to the next thing but now it's like this one continuum of like everything going on at once and it's kind of hard to compartmentalize stuff and you know i don't know i was rambling a little bit on this oh no no that's that's an answer you answered it because it shows you you're a busy dude that's that's the bottom line and it's again it's it's a good thing to stay busy with the things that you are involved in but you know doesn't matter what you do this pandemic has had an effect on everyone uh no matter how you look at it but on a side note where can someone buy savage gold coffee for my listeners well (laughs) that's that's one of the things that didn't make it so uh yeah savage at least for now at least for now is is dead it might uh, you know, be resurrected at some point, but right now it's, uh, it's not happening. So, okay. Uh, you know, that's one of the things, like I just spread myself very thin and, um, the period of time when we were just touring and doing that, that particular, uh, business were becoming very, uh, there was, there was, there wasn't really, it was just not, not manageable after a while. And, uh, so that had to like take a back burner and, you know, like I said, you know, maybe some someday down the line. Yeah, we're drinking we're drinking coffee during this, so that's why. I mean, coffee lovers <laughs> yeah. like us, we got to mention that. You know, Mike, this has been such a pleasure. We're reaching the last part of this interview, but this is going to be the fun part. Oh, great! Let's send things off on a good note. What I'm going to do, I do this for a lot of my guests. This is this always throws them for a loop. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Hot seat. I'm going to see if you know the lyrics to your own songs. You're for that challenge. Oh, dude, don't do this to me, man. <laughs> You got this. Here's why. Because I always say this and I have artists who say, oh, I'm not going to get any song and they get every song right. And then some artists who say, yeah, I'll get every song right. And they get every song wrong. It's always great. I didn't pick your, I, don't, I didn't pick I don't all the songs. I the titles, those songs. Some of the, I mean, I, I'm still not in the mood to do this right now, but go ahead. Man. <laughs> you want to do just a couple and see? Yeah, let's just do a couple, man. Let's do a couple. And I'm going to start you off on an easy note, so I won't, I'm not going to go deep into like, you know, path of totality or anything like that. I could, but we'll start you off easy. Okay, here we go. 
Voice of the Raven calls, Terror is thy name, Endless River of Time, Endless Realm of Sacrifice. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's uh, you know, uh, Secrets of the Black Sun. Yeah, yeah. see, you do know your lyrics. Look at that. Well, that, that's, that one's new, <laughs> man. It just came out. There you go. I told you to start off easy. Okay, let's see if you can get this one. This dissolution of the body, light for forgotten souls, another kind of madness, wash away the fear. That's a great lyric. You sure I wrote that? <laughs> isn't that uh, She's Lost Control by Joy Division? I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, now I'm gonna, I won't be able to look at that the same way again. That's uh, from the Grand Annihilation. Oh, dude. That, I forgot that record is like uh, Temple of I want to forget everything about that record, man. Honestly, <laughs> I think I'm going to stop right there. I think I think we've gone long enough. That's uh, like the um, <laughs> that, that's our Cold Lake record, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Definitely. Okay, yeah, I, that's an interesting comparison. I'm gonna have to go back and like <laughs> revisit the <laughs> revisit the two records and see, but. Um, Mike, uh, this has been such a pleasure. This is probably the that was probably the shortest hot seat I've ever had. You really, you actually. Oh, thanks, that. man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, well, you know, when we get back to touring, you know, and I'm singing these songs, yeah, yeah. Right, it'll be a lot easier. So, but do you have any like last shout outs, any plugs? Is there anything you want to share? Anything you want to mention to the listeners? You know, about tombs going forward into 2021. Um. Yeah. I mean, just keep an eye out. We got this thing in February. It's uh, you know, it's a live recording it's got you know pretty sick like production the sound's good you know Sanford Parker uh, mixed it a uh, good friend of ours so shout out to Sanford shout out to uh Jacqueline Shear Jackie Bags Brooklyn represent she's the editor uh you know shout out to DC in the city New Jersey he was the guy who shot it with his uh fiance and uh camera work on there is uh exemplary so shout out to him Shout out to Driven Jim, Woodbridge, New Jersey, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, and MMA. If you want to get into some training and you live in Jersey, check that place out. Hey, uh, I grew up on that area, so I may have to actually check that out once all this craziness. Come on down. And everyone is listening. This podcast can be heard on all streams, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you have. Check us out on interviewunderfire.com. And if you can purchase under Southern skies because the bands can't do it without the fans help as far as the merch is concerned you know buying the cds you know digital is great spotify is great you know listening to that streaming is great but mike you know this you know buying the records helps you guys out helps everybody every band out continue on through this crazy time we're in uh mike this has been great you know everyone's listening under Southern skies buy the record mike from tombs i will see you in dallas or in brooklyn whenever touring resumes and we'll do this again by mid-year, we'll be out there. I, that's my prediction. Let's do that. I appreciate that.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.